one life experience you would change? You know this answer. I don't change anything, right? Like, because I believe in the butterfly effect. <laughs> However, I really wish I wouldn't have saved so much fuel that first Indy 500. <laughs> I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm Pretty Intense. Today's episode is a different kind of format that was inspired by some other podcasts I listened to, um, as well as just um, an opportunity to tell more about myself um, to get to know me better. So uh, today's episode is specifically driven towards ha 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 racing. Um, so it's all about you know my old life, my new life, the transition, how I feel. Uh, and I am being asked the questions by the lovely Haley Moore, which is... Um, you know, I, I lovingly call her my ride or die. Um, so she, but she's worked with me for 12 years and is amazing. Um, but she, she has her own personal insight into all of this. So I feel like she's the perfect person. I feel like she's the perfect person to ask me all of these really pending questions that you guys sent in so kindly to Instagram. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Will you ever race again? No. Um, I mean, I don't know. Will I ever race at the highest levels like IndyCar and NASCAR again? No, I can pretty confidently say that. However, never say never because Lord knows what happens in life, but I can pretty confidently say no. However, would there ever be something that I, a race that I would be in? I mean, something maybe, but I'm definitely not trying to be in any. Haley shakes her <laughs> fist in a positive <laughs> yes. 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 What do you miss most about racing? I miss I miss that like part that I grew up loving which was this sort of instant gratification part of going out, lap time, improving, finishing positions. So that's all really tangible numbers. And so, so many other things that I do, like all, everything now seems like, uh, you know, there's not that quick instant gratification from, you know, 27 seconds to the next 27 seconds. Um, so I, I do kind of miss that, that, that instant reward stuff that you had with progress of making the car handle better and finishing better. Um, things seem to take a little longer to turn the ship with these, with, with things, but, um, but I miss that. And, um, what else do I miss? I miss, sometimes I do miss the feeling of like really going fast mm -hmm. as far as like handling that shit and feeling really confident and comfortable and knowing that it was so on the edge. Yeah, that's a magical, that's kind of a magical feeling. So I don't really get that. I try on the streets, but it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, did you get a taste of it when we were in Sonoma? Yeah, when we when I did the two-seater rides mm -hmm. in Sonoma um, with the fam and also uh, with the auction winners, I enjoyed 
Well, actually, the first two rides, the traction control was on. So I came in and I'm like, hey, uh, can you turn the traction control off? And I'm like, oh, got a lot, a lot more fun after that. Because um, traction control turns on when there's slip, tire slip. So um, anyway, I uh, got a little more fun after that. And I did, I did like brought back that memory, that body feeling of um, pushing the car and mm-hmm. getting it to the, to the edge of grip. So yeah, a little bit. We should buy that car and do that every year. That was, it was awesome. It was fun. It was pretty amazing. You got your ride. You I got, got a ride. ride. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. My pregnant sister got a ride. <laughs> she was going to get a ride no matter what. She was willing to sign her life away. <laughs> I got sideways with her more than anyone. Because she was the most excited at Christmas when I gave my family this, quote, drinking and driving experience in Napa. Um, she was the most excited. So uh, I really wanted to make sure that she had fun. Yeah. No, it was amazing. Um, how old were you when you started racing? I was 10. That's pretty easy. It was, yes, go-karts. <laughs> Did you have trouble with team personnel because you were a girl? <laughs> Uh, you know, well, the quick and easy, like first answer would be, it was hard for me to really understand. Like, I didn't realize why I didn't, I didn't really want to hang out with the team. I didn't want to go to the shop. I like, it was so boring to me. It was just like paint drying. It was just so boring. Grass growing, everything you could imagine. It's super boring. I didn't enjoy being at the shop. And then, you know, part of it is I'm not a car girl right? So that's part of it. The other part of it is that I finally realized at the end of my career, the last few years is that they're all guys. And it dawned on me. I was like, if they were all girls here, I would probably be really good friends with some of them. And it would be fun to come hang out because I like to hang out with girlfriends, um, but they're not, they're guys. So it's either, it's either boring because I don't relate and we're not on the same page. Maybe we don't have the same hobbies. Maybe we're not even the same age range. Um, upbringing, whatever it may be, or it's inappropriate on some level. Like it's not okay to just like go out to dinner with one of your team guys. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, there was a lot of reasons why it just didn't work out so easy. So did I have issues with them? I just think it was an issue that I was a girl that I wasn't able to develop the relationships and the camaraderie and the team aspect of it in a deeper way. Um, now did I have issues? I mean, I think that the biggest issue that I think held me back overall in my career was just ones that didn't believe I was really capable of doing it. And, uh, cause then it meant that they didn't put the work in that it took to, um, be really, really build a really, really, really fast car. Um, cause the details mattered, all the little details mattered and the extra homework that they did to what we would call massage on the car to correct details and make it, you know, a little less drag here, a little less weight there. You know, what's your incentive if you just don't think I can do it anyway? You know, why are you going to stay late and why are you going to come in on days off when you just don't think it matters anyway? Again, that could be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you stay confident? Uh, oh, sorry. That's just one, one question. How did you stay confident? When I remembered the things that I had done in my career, when I remembered that every time I got in a new car for the first time, I was always really fast. I mean, I don't think there was any, any, any time that I ever got in a new car, um, new series, whatever it may be, that I didn't go really fast. And so that, and then 
you know, just the fact that the longevity, you know, you can get a ride because you're a girl, right? You can get a ride by luck. You can get a ride because you have a sponsor, but you're not going to stay in the sport for 27 years based on pure luck and, and just money. Like somebody's going to stop funding that and you're not going to get that lucky every time. So things like that I had to remind myself of to get my confidence up when it was down, um, you know, regularly. You saw me, you saw me crying all the time. I mean, there were plenty of times that I cried and I felt horrible about what was going on and questioned myself. And it was times, those times that I had to think back to everything I had done. And I think that's what some people, not some people, most people never saw the, the blood, sweat, and real tears that you put in weekend and week out mm-hmm. when, um, you know, maybe some people didn't think that you cared enough, but which I think you cared a lot. How many times did you come into the bus when I would be crying after qualifying? I mean, you know, just, yeah. oh, just devastated. Yeah. I mean, shit was hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit was hard. It was hard. Would you ever start your own team? No. No, 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 no. No. Uh, no, that's just a firm no. <laughs> I have admiration for those who do. Um, but the business side of that was never... I mean, to not get the thrill of driving the car and the accomplishment um, and then having to deal with people and sponsors and... Oh man, no way. No, mm-hmm. no. Nope. And the schedule without doing the actual job? No. Yeah. No. Why did you quit? Well, interesting question as I do not feel like I quit. I feel like I let it go. I feel like I retired. I don't feel like I quit. Um, so I know that whoever wrote that question may have meant those things too. I don't know, but I think it's important for my story to be understood that, um, and the words, the words are important. You know, it's not, you know, quitting has a, has a certain energy and feeling to Mm -hmm. it, but I feel like I let, let it go. And, um, I just, the part that I love the most, cause while, I mean, I loved racing, of course. I wouldn't have done it for as long as I did if I didn't love racing. But the part that I loved about racing was not driving the car. I loved the feeling of accomplishment when I set a goal and achieved it. I loved to, I loved the progress, the hope. The most important thing was that every, every year I wanted there to be hope that it would be a better year than the year before. I'm not there to participate. I never relate to athletes who say like, I'm just happy to be out here. <laughs> really? I'm here. I don't care. I would rather be doing something else if it was a matter of just participating. I wanted to be doing well. And uh, so, um, so anyway, so once I felt like I was not going to be in a position where I had hope that it was going to be a better year than the year before, I just said it wasn't for me anymore. And it's not serving my, my heart, my soul, and, and what, I, what I'm doing this for. If you didn't grow up to be a, a driver, what would you what would have been your dream job? Well, before I wanted to be a race car driver, I wanted to be a secretary, a veterinarian, and a singer. We don't need to go into why those didn't happen. They didn't happen because <laughs> I wouldn't have been very good at any of them, probably, or I wouldn't have had the the the, the guts for it, which the, is the veterinarian part because I I I love animals, but. Um, 
you know, things like shots and euthanizing animals, things like that is just not part of mm-hmm. and not in my nope. DNA. Um, so I, uh, and then I want to be a race car driver. So the only thing that I said that if I wasn't a driver, I would have maybe gone into some kind of psychology field, a counselor, um, some kind of a psychologist, um, shoot, maybe I'd have been in sports psychology. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I love the mind and it's so interesting to me and the power of it and talking through problems as well. And just, you know, being really practical about like where a problem's coming from, um, working through it. And I just generally like talking. Maybe it would have helped me become a better listener earlier because now I'm having to learn how to become a better listener when I interview people because I'm so used to doing the talking that you forget that, yeah, yeah, it's a learned practice Mm -hmm. too. It's a learned, it's a learned, it's a learned activity to be the talker as I think as well as it's a learned activity to be a listener. And so I'm filling in that gap that I didn't before. But yeah, with, a, with, a, with being a counselor, you would have had to listen a lot. So a lot. <laughs> Maybe I needed it in my mature years. Um, do you feel that you were treated fairly? Uh, I feel like, look, I feel like there's a certain amount of skepticism with every single driver and every, every single person in racing or in whatever field you're in. So you have to prove yourself for sure. But, um, but I feel like I might've had to prove myself a little bit more often and maybe someone would have changed someone's mind if they were a guy or being a girl, maybe it didn't change their mind because they just were, you know, not prepared to accept a new reality in the sport or a new possibility. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that, uh, I think that it was, I think I was accepted by some, maybe not as much as guys were, but for sure I was. I had great people on my side from time to time. You did. Yeah, you really did. What kind of car do you drive now? Well, I drive a Range Rover or a rental. Those seem to be my two cars, a Range Rover or a rental. Yep. I had that hot rental this summer. I think that was a Buick. It had some dents in it. It was beautiful. It was a rental. It totally lowered my street cred or gained it. I really had that question. I was like, does this sort of beat up rental that kind of is like kind of like a really oversized but rounded looking like SUV. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the most, it wasn't the best looking car. But I'm like, does this rental lower my street cred because it's not super cool? Or does it actually raise it because uh, what the hell does it matter? I mean, I can drive anything. I can drive this. I can drive a race car. And it's actually cooler. It's kind of like when I go fly commercial and if I'm not in first class, I'm like, does being in coach lower my street cred or raise it? I'm not sure. I think it raises it. I think so too. Yeah. With the public, when you're flying with the public. (laughs) Did you enjoy the challenge of being in a male dominated sport? Of course. I, I, I of course did. I enjoyed being different too. I like standing out. I, I don't mind the pressure. Um, those were all things that whether I learned it or whether it's in me, um, I enjoyed and I would have, I don't, and I do not enjoy blending in. I don't, it's not, uh, um, 
Yeah, it's just uh, I I don't know why that is, but I don't I just don't I don't want to I don't want to blend in. So I'd like to either have an opinion or even dress differently or act differently or have a different job. I I just it doesn't bother me. Do you insist on driving anywhere you go? No, I do not. In fact, you know, the only way that I can, I've said this for years, but the only way that I can guarantee that I won't get a speeding ticket is if she's not driving. If I'm not driving. So I prefer a lot of times to not drive because I know I'm not willing to go the speed limit. Mm-hmm. I know that. I, I can, but I'm not willing. And right. so I would just rather ride. Because then I don't have a possibility of getting a speeding ticket. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, Many people don't know that Danica is a um, very vocal passenger driver and likes to tell you. Yeah, I'm sure people would never think that that I would be, uh, yeah. (laughs) She keeps her opinions to herself. So what I do is I would let let her, I would actually ask her, can you please just navigate for me and I'll drive because I have horrible directions. Well, yes, you are poor at directions. Very poor at directions. Yes. I'm a good driver, but I'm bad at directions. It worked it, it well work. for you to drive and me to do directions mm-hmm. because then I couldn't get a speeding ticket and I was pretty decent at directions. So right. uh, we worked well. And then, of course, you played Alanis Morissette right. in the car and then life was complete. And then a lot of times I would end up somehow still getting us lost. And then I would just say we're making memories. True. And you have planted the seed of when things go poorly, I go to that very, very comment that you taught me so long ago, making memories. Making memories. Because think about it. You don't make memories when everything goes well. Right. Correct. You make memories when shit goes sideways. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you remember those and you have fun stories and they might not be so fun or funny at the time, but they are in like 36 hours. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You were always or kind with years. me though when I would get lost. So you never... Well, that's because I didn't care if we were late to my appearance. True. I was probably the one that was totally stressed out that we were running late. Yeah. Well, it should be known that when you first started on board with me over a decade ago, uh, you would be really early. Really early. And it kind of puts pressure on me to be more early because I don't want you to have to wait. Um, And I would always push the time limit. Like I don't consider five minutes late, late. Mm -hmm. 10 minutes is starting to be late. 15 is a little disrespectful. And then beyond there is definitely like uh, not okay. But within that first few minutes, it's like, whatever. That could be just like getting caught at a stoplight. Or, you know, we could be at the racetrack and Mm -hmm. we had to stop for a pedestrian passing or whatever. So I never thought much about those couple of minutes. But you were always so early. And you you conformed quickly. You you, you at least didn't make me feel like it was so bad that when we had to be at an 11 o'clock appearance and I jumped on the golf cart at 10.55... Mm-hmm. with a 10-minute ride there, like it was a big problem. Yeah, no. It it did really. It was a good yin and yang situation. It helped me be more on time. Mm-hmm. helped you be less stressed about it. Yes, exactly. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you. <laughs> Do you get speeding tickets? I mean, mm-hmm. haven't we just covered this? Yes, the only does. way I can not get... I mean, I've been pulled over probably at least 20 times. Yes. I always love it, though, when the police officer pretends that he doesn't know who she is. Yeah, and then it's on the news. And then it's on the news. That's my favorite. That's my favorite, too. And you still get to, you know, we still pay for the speeding ticket. (laughs) 
When you finished your career, how did you compensate with your free time? She's reading my writing right yeah. now, which is why it's a little difficult. Because I transcribed the questions from Instagram that people asked onto this piece of paper. No, I'm like... <laughs> Here, let me see my own writing. <laughs> Where's the question? When you finished your career, how did you compensate with your free time? And then how long have you been planning your other projects? Uh, so compensate with free time? Oh, girl, I went on vacation. Mm -hmm. I mean, you how many vacations you book for me? I am, I am the most prompt and aggressive mm -hmm. about vacations. Vacations. Right? Yeah. I'm like, have you heard back from the hotel? Have you heard back about the, and is that, how long is the flight? And then can we get there? And is it direct? And what, and what if we go here? And then, oh my gosh, did you get a hold of the spa? Are we available to do? I mean, when it comes to vacations. No, she's on it. I'm so on she's it. She's on it. So on it. And that's because I know what I want. And, you know, there's no question. And I'm when I know what to do, I get on it. But when I don't know what to do or I have a question about something, I procrastinate. So anyway, lots of vacations, football games. Mm -hmm. I love football. So football games. Um, uh, winery. So doing stuff with Somnium. Mm -hmm. um, doing this new podcast. Uh, that's been a lot of time. And then there have been lots of other projects like documentary, like random little um, – companies that I meet along the way that we might work with or might partner with. And then there's speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I keep plenty busy. We are very, we're, we're still very busy. busy. Still very busy. Yeah. People are like, well, what do you do now that she's retired? Are you, you know, you it's almost harder because it's so all over the place. Yeah. Probably. It's not harder. It's just, just as busy. It's just a different type of busy, yeah. which is a, is a very nice change. Um, what is the hardest lesson you learned in racing? Um, that, hmm, the hardest lesson. How to be confident when you're not confident. Like just how to, how to, how to dig deeper. How to overcome bad moods, bad days. Because it will infiltrate your whole life mm -hmm. if you don't create some separation or figure out tactics to get over it. Um, different, a way to approach the mindset side of that. Um, yeah. Dealing with failure. Um, relationships and, you know, building a team that, you know, is happy to work there and excited and that next level effort, the effort you put in. The effort you put in. <laughs> <laughs> what is going through your mind entering turn one at Indianapolis? <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting. At turn one at Indy, you know before you turn in if the car is comfortable. Like, I think there might be a little rise going into turn one where you can feel if the car, if the back end gets a little bit light. And so... And also the way that the wheel turns. So you're, you come off the wall off of four and you drive down the front straightaway and you're in the middle of the track and then you lean back over to the wall and you set up and you get straight for just a second before you turn in. And in that transition to getting back over to the wall, straightening up and kind of going over what feels like must be a little rise, although it doesn't feel like that. It's just that you know in a straight line if the car is 
locked down in the back or not. And locked down in the back is the only reason why you'd lift going into one. Otherwise, if it's the front end that's not locked down, then you lift when the front slides and you can catch that. But when the back starts to slide, that's much harder to catch. So you're, you're kind of just feeling if the wheel feels darty, like if it turns really quick or if the car feels locked down and the wheel does not feel so darty. And then the rest is fine. And you're always trying to just like, get your left sides on or below the line. Okay, this question's not on here. But take me back to <laughs> walking out to Gasoline Alley, Indy 500, 2018. Oh, the last, my last, last race. Last race. Um, I was just really nervous. Like, I just wanted it to go well. And, you know, it was such unfamiliar territory to be back in Indy again mm -hmm. after so long. And the cars are hard to drive. And there's a lot on the line, you know, just being safe as well as, uh, you know, my career itself and what I had done there. Uh, I never crashed an Indy car at Indy until my last race. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I go, coming out for, for it, you're also in this little bubble of like determination and mm -hmm. focus. And so you're kind of head down. I've signed autographs all month being there. So I'm mm -hmm. not doing that anymore. And I'm just like, you know, just kind of focused. And so you're, I'm really nervous. I was really nervous, but I also was in that more locked in mode of like race time. Um, so, um, but I wasn't really thinking about the end so much as like, okay, one more, one more race, one more. I was more like, you know, I was, I was disconnected from the end. The end was not part of my feelings yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very last question. Do you miss racing? This was the most popular question for sure was, do I miss racing? Honestly, I don't. I mean, it was my decision to be done. Um, I didn't feel the need to hang on, uh, I racing, my old agent probably had one of the best ways to describe like me in the racing world. And he's like, racing is what she does. It's not who she is. It's what she does, but it's so, not who she is. So and true. it's so true. Like, you know me so well and my interests are not race. Like I don't, I'm not, I don't go to the track and hang out. I don't watch it. I mean, I watch casually like a fan of course, but I, I don't make effort. I don't still go to the track and like, I just, it's not my world. And I don't like, I don't even care about cars. I, I, it's just not, it's not that I didn't love racing. It's just that the driving actually, or, you know, going to the track was not my love. My love was setting a goal and achieving it. My love was also being inspirational at the end on some level was part of a driving force. So um, there's lots of other stuff in my life that I really, really love doing. And I've been really happy to be able to do them. Now, there've been a couple times since I retired where I feel a little purposeless. Like I'm like, I literally think to myself, I need to accomplish something because when you do it on such a big stage, um, for so long, you know, these other companies I started too, I thought, you know, you just think they're going to be a big deal right from the beginning. Cause it's still you, but they're brand new. They're babies. They, mm -hmm. you got to start from the ground up. And of course I had to do that with racing, but I didn't think about that. I didn't think about the 20 years it took me to get to the top right. of that. So, or 15 years. So, 
you know, it's um, having a little perspective was important, but I did face those moments where I was like, God, I need to accomplish something. And then, you know, you know what would happen. I'd get on the phone with you and Allison and I'd be like, do we got to do this and let's do that and let's get on a call. And I would have like a moment, a rush of direction mm-hmm. and, uh, and it would feel good. And like, you could really make shit happen when you get that rush. Um, I don't live in that rush every day. Thank God. Um, so to be honest, my biggest discipline now, my biggest challenge, my biggest focus is slowing down and, um, literally, I mean, obviously there's a pun intended slightly with Mm -hmm. like racing, but slowing down. And it's amazing what happens when, yes, you have loves and intentions and hopes and things that you do and, you know, you're not, it's not that I'm not doing anything, but when you can have an idea of what you want, but not be so attached to the process or the timeline of it, it's amazing the way that things fall into place. And sometimes falling into place is a holding pattern Mm -hmm. because something better is coming, but you need to either learn some lessons first, or you need some time to be ready for an opportunity that's going to come, but it's not, hasn't arrived yet. Um, so these, these are the things that I'm learning how to get better at. So I am enjoying this new challenge for me, which is slowing down, um, literally and just kind of being more, not a passenger in life, but more observant of the signs and energy and feeling of everything to make life feel good and less resistant and less forced. I'm really good at forcing things, like really good at forcing things, but that, but that's, the word says it all. It doesn't mean maybe it's for me and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's the right thing either. The things that are for you will feel good, they will be easy and they will fall into place. And as long as I can release attachment to the timeline especially and sometimes the goal itself and to let that organically evolve um, then amazing things happen and that's kind of my new challenge in life so you know I mean I miss sometimes the go-go like the energy of that and the pushing and the forcing and the you know the the big stage that I was on and some of the people along the way and yeah, I miss some of that a little bit, but but I am very happy where I'm at now. And I don't think people really fully understand on how much of a minute-by-minute minute schedule. Oh, it was called a minute-by-minute. Minute. It was called a minute-by-minute minute schedule, literally. And yeah. I think that when you are forced to take that away and live in a different, on a different schedule, it's it's a huge transition. I yeah. think at first it was a transition. Well, I think you really enjoyed probably that like that first summer of completely like in vacation mode. Well, the first thing we did after Indy yeah. in 2018 was go go to Napa for Somnium and drink. I'm like, am I we really were working? Like drinking champagne at like 10, 10 in the morning, and we're like, are we really working? NASCARs <laughs> in Pocono. Yeah, <laughs> and we're in Napa drinking champagne at 10, and we're working. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fabulous. Yes, and it's all by choice. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the thing is that you really can create the life that you want when you hold 
old intentions and mm-hmm. you uh, but that in that the the feeling of being happy is really it really lies in your decision that day and then the next day and then the next day and the next day mm-hmm. and it's really up to you to um have a perception of your life that you want and uh, you're also your vibe attracts your tribe mm-hmm. and so that energy of being happy brings in more things on that vibrational frequency of being happy and high vibes good vibes opportunities people that are wanting to help each other i mean have you met a high vibe good person that doesn't want to help other people right no. i mean it's really hard the other way too if there's somebody that's really bitter and angry and upset and you know they're not usually the most helpful friendly person right so you know it's also really like you gain you know i've i've also met and gained some incredible friends over the last year and a half. Um, so life is good. I'm really happy. There are some things I miss a little bit. Yes, but I don't want to be anywhere else now. Thanks everybody for listening to the pretty intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. And also thank you so much, Trevor Hall for the awesome music. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.